0: It's really about offering them something they can't get anywhere else, because vendors are a, a penny. What they can't get anywhere else is you. They can't get what you know, your knowledge, and the way you put things together. And this is why your trusted status is really important.
1: This is Outside Sales Talk, the best podcast for outside salespeople. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and we're here to chat with the world's top sales experts, so that you can get their best sales tactics to level up your game. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, I've got Janice Gordon with us, and we're going to talk about five steps to becoming a trusted
0: advisor. Janice, welcome to the show. Uh, I'm happy to be here, but you've forgotten my B, Steve. It's Janice B. Gordon.
1: Oh, am I supposed to use the B? I I saw the (laughs) B. I guess that makes you more Googleable to toss the B in there.
0: I am the only one in Google. That's why it's important. And we're talking yeah. about your trusted status. So yeah, <laughs> Janice B.
1: <laughs> Janice B, becoming a trusted advisor. And, and, and you're known as the customer growth expert. And you do a bunch of speaking, facilitating, and presenting. And you specialize in keynotes that help deliver customer excellence to increase sales. And you also host the popular Scale Your Sales podcast.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's me. (laughs)
1: All right, well, now now we've definitely got you. We're not confusing you with all the other Janice Gordons out there. This is the Janice B. (laughs) (laughs) So let's jump into it, Janice. Uh, First question, what does it mean to be a trusted advisor in sales? And
0: why is that
1: so important?
0: Well, (laughs) It's so important because you really want to make sure that your customers identify you as a trusted source. So how how does that, that happen? It's really about, I've created five, five steps really to actually get there and I'll elaborate on that um, shortly. But the reason why it's so important, it's becoming a valued source of support for your customers. Because vendors are 10 a penny, a thousand of them, but actually, trusted advisors are uniquely different. So you've got to stand out from the crowd because there's lots of other. Um, vendors are visiting your customer. So, what distinguishes you and makes you uniquely different? The Huitt group studied uh, the perceptions of professional service salespeople and found that the key elements are trust. And, in the words of the, the buyers, the customers, this was candor, competence concern. So it's about being empathetic to your customer and it's not just any kind of empathy but it's really about what's important to your customer, what your customer values. So it means you really have to understand who they are, understand their business model. And this is all along the lines of becoming a trusted advisor. But not only that, the Ableman Trust Index states that trust is at all time low. And remember that we've said, trust is such an important element. And customers who uh, transact relationships Um, with sales representatives, so it's very transactional, they give about 14% uh, 14 of their business, the total business value on average. But when you move up to a trusted uh, advisor status, that also jumps to 47% of their their pocket, their their value. That's massive. That's over three, four times as, as much. So that's why it's really worthwhile.
1: And why why is it that trust in in vendors is so low right now? How did how did we get here? What what changed? If it's at an all time low right now, what what do we do to get here? How do we screw this up?
0: Selling, <laughs> selling. You know, salespeople are taught to sell, so it's all about them pushing a product and uh, not. Where we got this reputation was because we weren't really listening to our customers we weren't really asking them valued question we didn't really understand not their, they might un, you might understand a solution to fit a problem but not a solution to fit the organizational um, ultimate business goals and so that's why we were very selling very short term measures. And um, we've really got to start to um, turn that around. And it's beginning to happen now because customers now, all of the information that they need is available online. So what makes you uniquely different? Well, it's really about offering them something they can't get anywhere else. Because vendors are tenor, uh, a penny. What they can't get anywhere else is you. They can't get what you know, your knowledge, and the way you put things together. And this is why your trusted status is really important.
1: So you you mentioned that there are five steps towards becoming a trusted advisor. What are those five steps?
0: Yeah, so those five steps is um, building a deep, deep understanding of your client's world, their business, so that you know the totality of their business better than them. You think, well, how can I do that? I don't actually work for the company. Well, actually people working for an organization are very focused on their particular area. So the onus is on use, isn't to understand several areas in the business and how that connects. So you understand their environment, their world. The second is about developing your environmental and business acumen. So it's understanding how the rest of the world, the macro world outside of that organisation affects them and really understanding the drivers and the trends and the economics and the business acumen. And, and social is really important there. What's happening, you know, in the social environment. And then the th- third area is about earn the right to give value you have to earn the right and i'll explain more about that but you've always got to do that and ask permission and then fourth is about establishing a trusted trusted based relationship and delivering on your promises always 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 and then fifth is elevating that trusted relationship into a partnership so it's actually investing in the long term rather than selling for the short term in order to do that you've got to develop not only the external relationships and your your um, your network but also your own in your own organization your internal relationships because all of the the people listening to this the outside so you may promise something but if your company internally isn't delivering it then you're letting down your customers. And that's why you've got to develop the internal and external relationships.
1: The, the, the thing that jumps out at me so clearly there is, is, is the importance of really, truly understanding the drivers of your customer's business uh, before you're meeting with them or uncovering it while they're, they're meeting with them. You just got, you have to be an expert and in, 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 in Your customer's business and you know the the, i guess the the advantage a salesperson has is if they sell to lots of customers that are very similar then they get to see the ins and outs of a bunch of these businesses but what would you say tactically uh, how can you build that deep knowledge of your customers business so that you can become a a a trusted advisor what what can you do to to really deeply understand your 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 potential clients world
0: well Look at it from the customer's point of view, put yourself in their shoes. We'll often want to go for the biggest ticket item, having not had much relationship and experience within that organization, because you know our sales leaders and the CEO, that's exactly what they want. And that's what often where things go wrong. What you want to do is nurture the relationship over a period of time. What you want to do is sell in at a lower level in order to build, uh, enable to build the confidence and the relationship because it's two way. And then you want to uh, really begin to tick off all of the different stakeholders and decision makers within that organization and work your way to the bigger ticket item that's the ideal way of doing that but it all depends on the contract but it's really about understanding this is something you're in for the long term so often we go for the you know we how do you eat an elephant it's chunking it away a bit at a time rather than going you know and trying to kind of mount this massive animal so it's really about Developing a long-term strategy with the um, organization that you're looking to develop a relationship and and target. Stephen Covey said in his great book, one of my favorite books, um, um, Habits of Highly Effective uh, People, is habit five is seek to understand first before you've been understood. And it's very difficult to do that from an arm's length. What you need to do is get into that organization, have conversations, listen, do social listening, do everything you can in order to learn more about that organization, what their business goals are, and having conversations around that, understanding what individual drivers are for all the different stakeholders. That's how you actually build a relationship for the long term.
1: You said something really important there that I think is counterintuitive to a lot of people. And that is you advise to, to learn by starting low in the organization and, and learn what's going on, learn the problems, learn the challenges, and then move up and sell at a higher level after you already understand. And that, and that makes a ton of sense to me, but I've never heard anyone actually say that before Um like you know, in our organization, for example, if, if someone came to me and tried to sell me on a new marketing product or a new sales product, it probably wouldn't go very well. But if they had already gone to through the sales and marketing team and figured out all our everything that we're actually working on, understood our initiatives, and then approached me with with a with the pills the to whatever whatever was ailing me, that would uh, that would go a lot better, I think. Um, especially if they got walked down the hall by by that, uh, by the, the executive of that area of the company. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's a really, that's a new take for me and one that is, you know, usually we hear people say, oh, sell high, sell high, but you were like, well, sell high, but uh, I would almost summarize that by saying sell high, but learn low, learn low so that you can sell high.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is looking at the relationship for the long term. You know, you want to build a partnership and the mistake many organizations go is go for the biggest ticket item, having had no background and no relationship. And then they wonder why they didn't get the deal.
1: Absolutely. And what what tips and and, uh, skills would you recommend to salespeople who who want to develop their their business acumen, their understanding and of their customers so that they can have that empathy?
0: So I think that the, um, the first thing is to understand the business world. That's what you, you need to do. So you, you can um, talk at the level of, of the, the customers. So you've got to start reading the quality um, papers, you've, you know, or getting alerts for actually what's going on in the world. Often salespeople work really in narrow, and you, they need to have a breadth. So they, whenever they're um, out with a whole variety of people, so whether it's you know the um, the CTO, you know, all of the C-suite you can hold some level of conversation because you've got a breadth of knowledge. So if you're starting from a standing start, it's really just making you educating yourself, becoming aware of all, of all of the economics and business drivers in a typical organization in the sector that, that you work in. So you've really, you've got to start doing your the homework really. Um, and then it's uh, about delving in a lot deeper and looking at the industry thought leaders building relationships with them following what they're saying what are the trends what are the things that are impacting your industry that that you work in for your customers for that sector and and then it's really about having conversation with other trusted advisors with other people in in um, the industry and in in that sector because often you'll find that one person says something and actually you can borrow a lot of that that knowledge and that insight and you know tailor it to your customer so you can be a font of knowledge if you're interested to become interesting. So you've really got to be curious and investigate things and, and use your critical thinking. So you're slowly building up the knowledge of the business world, of the economic world, of the sector and the industry. Then you can actually go in and, and understand more about the individual drivers.
1: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me The, you know, um... I've always felt like one one key thing that helped me early in my career uh, in sales was was the the MBA degree. And it's it's a degree that is very broad in nature. But so it's really it's I think historically been considered really useful for consultants, people in finance. these types of broad areas that you have to have a, like, you know, you have to understand a broad, under, you have to have a broad understanding of, of business to inter, enter a new organization and kind of do the things that a consultant would do, especially like a strategy consultant or to like figure out, oh, is this a good company to invest in or not? You need a broad understanding. But I also think that the MBA is a really useful degree for people in sales because it gives you that understanding of lots of different types of businesses that you can kind of come in and and behave like a consultant would and have ideas and have understanding and have and really get the customer and be able to empathize with them
0: absolutely just like you you know i've got cranfield um mba and it allows you to have conversations with different um specialist areas because you have that that broad uh, understanding and you know often you don't know what you don't know until you have a breadth of experience and then you can identify well I've got lots of specialist knowledge in this area but now I know about another area I know my level of of knowledge and experience and only then can you increase your level of knowledge and experience but if you don't know you don't know to go there
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's, it's tricky because, you know, I've never, I've seen very few jobs where like an MBA is required for the sales job, for example, that's not something you would normally ask for. And and if, if anything, a lot of times I think sales jobs are considered one of those jobs that you can enter with any background academically, because it's more about the personality and, you know, these different things. But I, I think that, uh, that honestly, that, having that kind of background would be really helpful in a lot of cases but it's obviously a a, a lot of investment to you know to that people don't want to take their it's hard for sales people to stop their career and go back and get an mba because sales jobs do tend to be higher paid whereas if you're like a you know kind of an intro level finance person maybe it's easier to go back and you know put your career on pause for two years and get an MBA but I'm surprised I haven't seen more people in sales with an MBA because it really is really I think it's a helpful weapon um for these reasons that you're talking about what, 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 what other things you what, know,
0: they don't have to you've got to be um take responsible for your own education So that's the thing. If you're serious about building your business acumen, nowadays, there's so much information available online. There's so many online courses, but really the onus is on you to develop that knowledge.
1: Yeah. And and I was just thinking one of the problems with, with the MBA for a salesperson is it covers so many different things. And really, like if you sell to dentists and you want to be an expert in the dental business, it's almost more valuable to spend time with your customers and deep dive into the sorts of things like to, to read the blogs about how to run a dental practice, things like that to really learn about the t- tips and the tricks and the challenges they face and really understand them in and out. Whereas, you know, accounting 102 class probably is a lot less useful for you in a, in a sales role. So I guess we, maybe we all just want to design our own masters in, in, uh, Masters in sales, where, where we, we uh, and, and one of the major pieces of that curriculum would be learning about our customers. Well, what
0: but what I are think some also One thing to um, remember, and that, you know, even if we're talking about a dental practice it's almost like industries, you know, you used to have all of these different sectors, they're all kind of starting to blend into one, aren't they? So you can learn a lot from one industry that's now transferred into another industry. If you think of the way that Amazon has grown, and now it's, you know, it's, um, got Whole Foods and, you know, in the way that these organizations grow and the, what they do is they leverage the knowledge from one area and then they revitalize another industry using that same knowledge and experience. It's not something that's separate and different, but they actually, it enables them to innovate by actually not looking at the industry traditionally, but actually borrowing what they already know about their industry and and innovating a new industry. So having an experience elsewhere is also a good thing to bring into your traditional sector.
1: Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. What, What are some ways that salespeople can think about providing more value to their clients like the the typical salesperson where do you think they miss on on this what are they leaving off the table that they that if they would have thought thought about it they could have prepared and and provided value to their clients are there any well you know i say
0: you've you've got to earn the right to give value always and and gary vaynerchuk and his book jab 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 right hook So what you've got to do is give value, give value, give value before you ask. But the ask is asking permission to present something, to invite them to, you know, a demo or or whatever. Um, So trust does not grow overnight. That's why it's give, give, give or jab, jab, jab. You've really got to um, have the mindset of the long-term building the partnership, building the trust before you're actually selling to them. Often online, um, people will connect and then build the relationship. And what I say is you need to build the relationship and then connect. So you've got to offer value and then you know ask, ask permission. And in that way, they want to talk to you because you've given them so, so much value. They want to find out about you. They even ask. You know, you've given me so much. What can I do for you? So, you know, you've got to develop that, that view of um, um, serendipity in that, uh, oh, reciprocity, I mean, so that, you know, you're giving value. What can I do for you? How can I help you? How can I help you make connections? And you think, well, you know, I've got a million pound contract. Why should I do that for this, this individual? Um, you know, well, because. It's individuals that make the decision and it's a whole different group of the decision making unit of individuals that have different drivers that, you know, value slightly different things. And that's why the, you know, you've got to understand, first of all, what the drivers are, but the driver is going to be uniquely different for each individual. So never, never, never rush to an answer because you've got to consider what are their drivers you know, what's important to them and then tailor your answer. Never, never, never rush to a close. You've got to ask permission um, before you close. You've got to make sure that, you know, they are comfortable and test their level of of understanding and the solutions fits and reiterate it before you actually close. So it's actually, it's almost like slowing down the process in order to speed up. Every interaction with your clients, decision-making units, customers, buyers, is a chance to really advance their perception of you as a valuable uh, resource um, or valuable insight, or not. So it's your choice. You know, you can push it down there or you can actually slow down in order to speed up and really think about, What's important to them? What will help them move to the next stage? What can I give them that is going to make a difference to them today? because who knows what will happen next year? This pandemic has certainly proved that you know what can really add value? I really want them when I call again to think I really want to speak to this person
1: that's such such fantastic advice you know what what are some what are some tangible steps that a salesperson can take to elevate a conversation and, 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 frankly, their relationship with a customer to that next level where they have that trust-based relationship?
0: So um, tangible is to understand uh, their drivers. So you might do this through social listening. Um, so this is connecting. Um, remember, I said add value, 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 and then ask, ask for a connection. But over as you're building relationship and you're sending them articles because you've read something that they've actually um, said and you've got a piece of um, thought leadership, not necessarily your own, that you think is going to add, add value um, to them. But you know, importantly, to establish a trusted relationship, You've got to keep your word. So if you say you're going to do something, your word is your bond. You're making a commitment to that relationship, even if they haven't committed to you, and especially if they haven't committed to you. You know your prospects are watching and looking to see the way that you treat them, because they know that it's an indication of how you treat them when you're, you know, they're your your customer. So. And also what we tend to do is treat the more senior people really well and the lower people, well, not so well. Well, no, you cannot do that anymore. You have got to lead with your personality and your true values and be genuine and authentic. And if in your mind, the um, the Uh, frontline person is less than the most senior person in the company that's the way you're going to treat them and actually people other people will see that and it reflects badly on on the organization so it's really important to you know build strong relationships with everyone in the company at every level because you have no idea of the influence that stakeholder that person may have they may decide if you treat them badly to actually leave an essential piece of paper not pass it on to their boss you know and that could scupper your your game so treat everyone with um value and respect so you know you've got to also build a strong business case especially now they are you know you've got your Six to ten decision makers in some areas. It's up to twenty. Part of that is that you'll have the COVID committee, or the people that are risk averse, are protecting the organisation that don't necessarily have any specialist knowledge, but they can veto your deal. So. You don't know who they are and many of them are completely unknown to you, but they're kind of lurking in the background. So you've got to make sure that not only are you, you're you're building a um, value, um, a a business case, but also that, you know, you can um, substantiate it with real figures. And it's relevant to what's important to the person that you're giving it to. So it's not a general document to everyone and anyone in the organization, you're tailoring it to the decision makers and what's important to them with a business case that um, has a, a provable return on investment.
1: And, and how about positioning yourself on things like social media or your public presence? It, how can a, a sales rep do that in such a way that will build more trust and, and ultimately win them more, more customers?
0: Okay. So you have got to look up your own social footprint. So put your name in, see what comes up. So, you know, you could be a vendor, transactional vendor, you're supplying a product, or you can be a trusted advisor, or you can be a thought leader. But actually, when you look at their social footprint, it tells you where they are along that, that line. And so is your social footprint, so when you put in the name and you can just look at the images, do your images reflect someone that is a trusted advisor or does it reflect someone that is a vendor? If it reflects someone that's a, you know, so it's a bit nameless, it's a bit the you know, it doesn't really send, there aren't any strong statements, um, so you can impact how people view you by what you're putting out. So the more you put out in line with how you want to be portrayed, the key statements, you know, your um, blogs and uh, posts that you put out and images that you put out, eventually that's going to form a collage of who you are over a period of time. So you've really got to invest in your own social footprint because guess what? All of your customers, your buyers, anyone that's got your, your name will look you up. So the first place is to go on, on LinkedIn, but also on Google. You know, LinkedIn often comes up first, second, third or, or fourth. But other things will come up. Are they the things that you want to come up? If not, then you need to actually start putting more out there so that the collage of of your social footprint and how you're represented is going to give the impression that you want, that you are trusted, valuable source of uh, specific information in your specialist area of knowledge and expertise.
1: Well, now, now you've got me realizing I've got to Google myself and do an image search. I have no idea what's floating around out there. <laughs>
0: Well, that's that's why it's really important to do, because remember, every time you have a, a call with someone that may not know you so well, it may be a company you've sold to several times, but there's someone else in the company thinks, here is this guy that's, you know, trying to sell to us. What are they going to do? They're going to look you up.
1: I'm going to do that right after this call. tell me uh well i I guess why don't we do sales in 60 seconds um you know quick questions quick answers so next next section of the podcast uh so tell me first question what's the biggest mistake that salespeople make when they're trying to position themselves as a trusted advisor
0: They think they're a trusted advisor and they have a trusted relationship. This is what they think. And then they're completely surprised when a new incumbent comes along or or a rock solid deal, they've told their sales director, this is in the bag and they lose the deal. The mistake they made, they've never tested the value of the relationship and the strength of the relationship. There's a certain level of arrogance. the mistake is assumptions. Never trust your own assumptions. Make sure you ask permission and you test those assumptions. That's the biggest mistake.
1: And what key skills do sales reps need to be truly successful?
0: A positive growth mindset and collaboration.
1: And why are, why are each one of those so important?
0: Well. um, The world is evolving and changing unless you've got a growth mindset, you are open to new possibilities you're curious. I've mentioned before, you're always looking for new things. You know, you're losing the kind of arrogance and assumption. You don't know everything. Collaboration becomes really important because in order to be a trusted advisor, this is what I've said about having, you know, uh, the internal understanding that you've got to um, have your network of internal and external relationships and trusted advisor. And that's why collaboration is really important. Also, the mindset of collaboration when you go into um, a customer, your your their business, you've got to co-create with them. You don't have all the answers, you've got to be asking the right kind of questions. And in order to do that, you've got to have the mindset of collaboration.
1: Absolutely. And and what, in your opinion, is the hardest part about being a salesperson?
0: I think what the hardest part is about the multiple um, decision makers, you know, it's because some of them are unknown to you, you know, they're lurking in the background, as I've said, and they're really influential, but you don't know that they're there. So it's really about engaging and understanding with multiple decision makers within an organization. I think that's the most difficult thing.
1: Yeah. When, when that's, the, I think that is one of the biggest challenges today is how many people have their fingers in the pie. Um, and I think that's got something to do with technology and just the, the, uh, the the desire for for middle managers to have their fingers in lots of pies and to and to um i guess the, how easy it is to copy people on emails basically but um mm-hmm. you know I, I, when when that's a challenge I, I always think that the best way to get around is and and figure that out is to have your sponsor you know the, the person that wants really wants the deal to get done have them figure out what the objections of those different random stakeholders are for you. Have them help you. Have them ask questions. Have them have conversations uh, behind your back with these people so that they can kind of guide you through the organization and, the, and help you see. Because sometimes it can be even be hard to find out, and it's a sales skill just to even find out who those, all the, the decision makers are and everyone who has veto power and, and what, what, what do each one of those people need to see in order to get this done.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is difficult. But then it's also about giving the champion or a sponsor the information, the words, the descriptors that they can go and sell it internally as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, you've you've got a fantastic podcast. You've interviewed so many sales experts and leaders. What's uh, what's one valuable lesson that you learned from these conversations that, that sticks with you?
0: <laughs> this is really hard. You know, i um, I've, I've got the hundredth edition coming up and so I'm recording uh, the 99th and doing a review. Oh my gosh. To fit that in 20 minutes, it's impossible. Honestly, there's been so much. Every time I think I've, I've closed it down, there's another one. I think, Oh my gosh, what about what they said? Really? I just find it so so difficult and you know to be honest my highlights is the personality behind the person that has had the success i'm really kind of understanding their unique difference that's what i love because we don't teach people how to sell that you know there's lots of podcasts around that it's more about uh, the strategies strategic sales the thinking behind it remember i've talked about the, the mindset And, you know, like I really love to get behind the mindset of of the people that I I interview and learn something unique and different about them. And that's how they found this new way or got this particular success. So, yeah, scale yourselves. Your listeners must must go and listen to it because, you know, I have some amazing guests, you being one of them.
1: (laughs) That's right. It uh, really fantastic podcast. It really is. I mean, we'll put the link to that in the show notes, obviously. Um, what is, in your opinion, the most important thing that you teach every sales rep in the trainings that you give?
0: Think like your buyer, your customer, your sponsor. Remember all of them are different. These stakeholders, you've got to put yourself in their shoes and I really hate the question, what keeps you awake at night? Ugh. Horrid question. Never ask that question. They're so sick of you know, being asked that. You know It's not very authentic. But really understand and engage at their level and add value and, um, the, to things that they really care about, their drivers, rather than what you care about. So put yourself in their shoes.
1: And as an actionable takeaway, what should the field salespeople who are listening today do as a first step towards just getting started on being a more trusted advisor in their relationships with their customers?
0: Okay, so I gave away one of them. Let's look at your own social footprint. What does it tell you? What's the impression? Um, but you know, I will have um an ebook that your listeners um will be able to download and we'll put the links in uh the show notes after this. Um but really listen to this podcast there's lots of great stuff that we've we've talked about here in you know the five steps to becoming a trusted advisor and distinguishing yourself from from everybody else Um, but also, you know, please do um, contact me. I'm happy to have a conversation and talk to, you know, the sales leaders and the sales guys about how to go about doing this. Because there's obviously more in-depth information um, that there I can give. So yeah, this is absolutely, it's non-negotiable now because everyone is online. That isn't going to change significantly. How are you going to distinguish yourself And it's really that you need to put yourself above the parapet and that means you've got to do it online and all of the content that you're putting out. So yeah, there is so much to to this that's really important. You've got to get your customers saying, I want to speak to this particular person. They've got to know you, they've got to know your expertise and they've got to value what you give to them.
1: Absolutely, well, I'm going to try to summarize uh, some of the stuff that you've taught us here today. So first of all, you want your customers to identify you as a trusted source. Um, Identify what makes you different and show it to your clients. Make sure to be empathetic to your clients and their values. So here are the, the five steps to becoming a trusted advisor. One, build a deep understanding of your client's world. Two, develop your environment and business acumen. So really get to understand business and especially as it pertains to your customers. Three, earn the right to give value. Four, deliver on your promises. Five, elevate your relationship that you have today into a trusted partnership. Um, You wanna work with less senior members of an organization first to learn more about the business goals and the ins and outs of a company, and then you can work your way up um, to having more meaningful, broader discussions with uh, the higher level stakeholders. Build your knowledge around the business drivers that are really common in the areas that you sell to, the companies that you sell to, and know how to communicate uh, in, in terms of the language of those business drivers. If they if they think about things in terms of ROI, learn to communicate. what. What does that mean how you know you're going to spend this much you're going to get this much out of it in real dollars over what period of time um figure out what's important to your client and figure out what their business drivers and their kpis are the key performance indicators are before you sell before you go into that sales meeting and if you don't know them or you can't find them out first through their 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 footprint talk about that early and often right F- figure it out get them get an understanding of what's going on you want to add value by sending your client resources that are directly related to their goals and their interests uh, when you when you're communicating when you're following up when you're interacting create value you want to build trust by keeping your world uh, I'm sorry your word, and, and making sure that you always follow through with, with what you promise. I can hardly read my own writing here. <laughs> um, the, uh, so when, when you're ready to sell, support your pitch with data. You wanna create a customized business case business case for each client and you, you want to display a provable return on investment when you're communicating. Invest in your own social footprint. Make sure everything you include on social media, everything that people can find about you on the internet, how you conduct yourself, make sure that matches with with being a trusted advisor and and, and matches with how you want to be represented online. This has been so fantastic. Uh, Where where can our listeners read more about your work? Um, How can they reach out to you? What's, What's the best way to communicate with you, Janice?
0: Yes, um the website is scaleyoursales.co.uk uk, or you can find me through janicebgordon.com, LinkedIn, Janice B in fact, Janice B. Gordon in Google, you'll find everything about me.
1: <laughs> there we go. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, I mean and we'll we'll connect um, all the all, you, all these relevant links in the uh, in the podcast notes as well. Well, uh, Janice, this has been an absolute Fantastic episode of the Outside T- Sales Talk. I am really uh, I really appreciate you coming on for us. If you work in field sales, you'll love Badger Maps, the number one route planner that helps you sell 20% more and drive 20% less. You can get a free trial at our website, badgermapping.com today. If you can think of any other sales reps out there that would benefit from learning about the skills that has taught us today, uh, please feel free to forward this on to them. Take care until next time, everybody.